chapter number 15. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15. And we're going to read verses 11 through 32. We won't be reading a whole lot of scripture this morning. So I'm just going to go ahead and read these verses and then we'll just dive right into it. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 down to verse 32. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession with prodigal or wild living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to be merry. Now his older brother was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, brother, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Let's pray. 
Father, we do thank you this morning. Help us as we study. Speak to our hearts. Father, use these lips of clay like only you can. Bring insight and revelation that will change us and conform us more to your image. Father, that we might learn how wonderful your love is, how marvelous your grace is to those who seek it. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We talked last week uh, about being able to put behind the past and embracing your future. This series of messages is about a fresh start. How I many you can use a fresh start in life? Um, a fresh start is, can be different for some of us. Some of us, a fresh start just simply means giving your life to Jesus. How I many you know there's no better life than a life with Jesus? A fresh start for some could be simply getting back on track. You know, maybe perhaps you found yourself kind of wandering away from God and and, and you've kind of got off track a little bit. So a fresh start for you could be, you know what, I'm just going to get back with God and, and get back and turn my way back to him. For others, it simply could be recovering from a bad decision or divorce or some kind of sickness, some kind of illness, whatever the case might be. But critical to our gaining a fresh start in life is understanding who God is. Uh, your theology is going to be shaped by your perspective on who you believe God is. Now, depending on who you talk to, there are a lot of people that believe a lot of crazy things about God. That's why it's so important that we understand how God's nature is, how God operates. And I can tell you there was a time in my life when I literally walked around scared. Now, you know that scripture in the Bible says you're supposed to fear the Lord. Well, fear the Lord does not mean necessarily that we walk around just scared of him, but that we fear him in the sense that we reverence him, we respect him, and we don't want to do anything that violates his word, knowing that there's consequences to our actions. But what we, I think sometimes what we missed, what we missed is in our zeal to preach the gospel sometimes, that we got to make sure that people understand God's motive and understand who he is. What, what is it? How does God think about people that, drift away from them? How does God view people who made some bad choices and, 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 and life has just kind of left them just kind of bummed out? How does God even view the guy that you all have been hearing about the past couple of days uh, on the YouTube? Uh, he, I guess he's a YouTube sensation now. He had the golden voice. Now, and this man who was a homeless person now is being offered contracts by everybody. And I know that there will be some people that will probably criticize that. But let me tell you something. I love it when God pour out his mercy on folks that don't deserve it. You know why? Because that's a reflection on me. Because I don't know about you. I want his mercy. And listen, none of us really deserve much of anything, if we're really honest. And so I love it when I see stories of redemption. I, I love it when I see people that are pulled up from the brink, when they have had some hardship in their life. And it's so easy to look at people that are falling on hard times and say, well, you know what? That's their problem. And they did that to themselves. That could be true. But mercy has nothing to do with that. Mercy has everything to do with, I see where you are. Yes, you made some mistake. You fumbled the ball. But, but God can restore you. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's really what inspires us. One of the most incredible scriptures in the Bible is in Jeremiah 29, 11. 
Many of us know that scripture by heart. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. So understand, God has a plan for every one of us. He says, I know. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Well, when did you and God ever sit down and he consulted with you about these plans? When you came into the kingdom, God had already mapped out a purpose for your life. For some of us, we stumble trying to get there. We make mistakes. And some of us, it takes a while for us to come into what God really has for us. But God has a plan for us. And, you know, and his plan is good. And sometimes God has to discipline us. And, 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 and you know, God does spank his children. But, you know, and I and I and I, I try to tell my kids whenever I had to spank them, because I really haven't spanked them about in a long time. Uh, well, Jeremiah recently, he he caused me to. But, you know, you, you always try to. He's nine years old. You know, he's not here. But, um, so but, you know, what what oftentimes after that, you know, I try to sit him down and I try to say, OK, I love you. And they have a real tough time sometimes trying to because they still trying to deal with my butt hurt. And, and you're talking about how much you love me. And but in actuality, sometimes, if we, you know, if we really love people, we, we, we do what we need to do. Sometimes love is hard. Sometimes love is tough. Yes. But everything God does for us is because he loves us. So even when God has to spank us from time to time because we stumble along the way, he does it because he has his, our best interest at heart. He says, I know the plans I have for you. What are your plans, God? Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. And, and I like how he says there that it's not, not for a disaster. Because, and one of the things I hear people say all the time that bugs me, the insurance companies use this word and it drives me nuts. You know, whenever there's a traumatic event like a tsunami or uh, some hurricane and, and they call it an act of God. You know, and it drives me nuts, you know, and I, and, I, and I saw it in our insurance policy, I remember, and I was just so offended because what it's suggesting is that God is just going around just wrecking people's lives. Let me tell you something. There's a, we live in a world that is infected with sin. And God made a way, hallelujah. He made a way. He loved us so much, he want to pull us out of that. And, and understand, there are things that happen in the earth that has nothing. To, the Bible says the whole earth is moaning and groaning and wanting to be delivered. In, in, in Romans chapter one, the whole earth is crying out because sin has come into the world. And when sin comes into the world, how many know it messes stuff up? And God's whole point in keeping us away from sin or warning us about sin is not because God is just wanting to just make our lives miserable, but because he wants to protect us from something that can ruin us. And so he says, you know what? If you marry, stay faithful to your wife. Why does he say that? Because, you know, he don't want you to be able to. No, it's not that because he knows the way I designed you, that if you stay connected this way, then your life is going to be much, much more better. So he comes up with these warnings and and, and, and we do good and well to heed to those warnings. But every now and then we do get off track. We do get off track. And in 2010, some of us, we got off track in some ways. But the beauty of it is God is a God of restoration. God can take many years that sometimes we waste and throw down in the toilet and he can restore us 
And the beauty of God, the way he restores, he restores us in such a way as if you never sinned a day in your life. Let me tell you something. That's beautiful. And for some folk, that make them upset because the hellfire and brim preachers, they get really mad because we love preaching about hell and how you're going to be judged. And we all know that's true. You know, the Bible talks about hell and, and we got We got to preach that. But but everything that God does and everything that Jesus did, even when he talked about hell, I believe he talked about it in tears. He talked about it in, in a way that says, I don't want you to go there. Hell was not created for you. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but all come into a knowledge of the truth and come into relationship with him. So, so when we think about God's goodness, it should motivate us not to sin. You know, how some people says some people think that grace is a license to sin. And I think about God's grace. It brings tears to my eyes because and it inspires me to want to do more to walk with him, more to please him because he loved us so much. And in this story of the prodigal son is one of the most beautiful passages of scripture that one could ever lay his eyes on. He was a young man who had decided to do things his own way. Have anybody ever decided that you're going to do things independent of God? I will, I'm willing to bet you, even as a believer, there have been times in your life when you've made some decisions and you know deep down in your heart God said, mm, 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 but you went ahead and you did it anyway. And what this story that we read here about the prodigal son, I want you to hear me. Really, Jesus gave this parable for a reason. He gave this parable so that men could understand the nature of God. How does God think? What is the heart of God? What is the spirit behind why God does what he does? And so when you read the story about the prodigal in relation to the father, we, we want you to be thinking about God because Jesus is saying, I want to show you how God is. And God is the same way that this father treated his son who had rebelled against him. And so we want to talk about a few things. I don't think I'm going to be long today. I want to be shorter. Y'all smile and say, okay, no. All right. Let's, let's look at this. Let's look at some things that we can gain from this. The first thing is that the prodigal son, he, he demanded his inheritance. You see, he had an inheritance that was rightfully his. And uh, you can almost hear the excitement in his voice because it's almost like a teenager that's just waiting to get from underneath their parents, you know. And some of you who have teenagers, you know what that's like. That they're almost like, it's almost like this prodigal son was counting down the days. He was waiting. He was waiting. Okay, I can't wait. I'm looking at the calendar. Five more days. Oh, a couple of more days. Because he wants to get out of the environment. And so the younger of them, came to his father. He said, Father, give me what's mine. Give me what belong to me. And you can see the rebellion, the pride. You know, all of us have to deal with this from time to time, right? We all have to deal with pride. I'm sorry, they're doing some reconstruction next door, so Larry's going to go over and, and tell them if they can keep it quiet uh, for the next few minutes. So this prodigal son 
makes a demand because as you can see the independent spirit in him. The independent spirit says, I got this. I can do this. I don't you know, I don't really need you, father, to tell me anything about life. I can figure this out on my own. And, you know, all of us, you know, from the time that we come into the kingdom of God, watch this. One of the things that God is always working with us and working out of us is our pride. Because every one of us struggle with pride. And I know some people that are really spiritual and say, I don't struggle with pride. Every one of us struggle with pride on some level. Some of us are really good at suppressing it more than others. But all of us struggle to some extent. And we're always trying to beat back that old nature that kind of want to run off and just kind of do things without really even coming to God, our Father. And so what does this son do? Well, first, before I get into that, now, understand something about this prodigal son. When he came to the father, he didn't come to his father for advice. He didn't come saying, Father, I, I need some wisdom on, uh, you know, I know I got this inheritance. And uh, can you please tell me how to spend it, what to do with it? I need to hear from you, Daddy. You know, he's a, he, when he came to his father, he had already made up in his mind what he was going to do. Now, let's pick a little bit. Can we pick on us a little bit? Sometimes we come to God. And in actuality, we, you know, and, and we say, you know, like you get a good idea. How many of you just got a great idea and you decide to run with it? Say, oh, I know that's got to be God. That got to be God because it looks right on the surface. You know, it's beautiful. It's nice. You know, uh, you know, and God will want me to go to a beautiful island and where it's sunny and the, and the whales are on the beaches and the dolphins and, and just God that, that got to be God. But, you know, sometimes we come to God, we don't really come to ask God anything. We get a thought, we get an idea, we get on our knees, here's what we do. We say, Lord, I thank you that this is an opportunity. And, you know, when you come to God and you've already decided in your mind that you're going to do something, most of the time you do it. But the right way to do it is to get on our knees, come to God. Let's say an idea, something comes to mind. The right thing to do is say, okay, God, here's, a, here's something that looks like a golden opportunity. But, God, I need to see if this is what you want me to do. Before I do this, God, because everything in me, my, everything in me says this is go. It's a green light because it's so much easier to work for God than to sit there and seek him. See, the Bible says ask and you shall find. Seek. Now, asking you shall receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be open. And it's so easy, it's much, much easier to get running with God, right? It's so much easier to work on working for the Lord. But, but boy, when it comes down to just, just say, let me just sit down and just really see if this is really what God wants me to do. Because one of the things that will keep us out of trouble is really seeking God and saying, God, let me spend, you know, how many know it takes time sometimes to seek the will of God? It takes some time. Sometimes you got to take fasting and prayer. Sometimes you don't get an answer. You don't get a piece about it. And, and let me let me suggest something to you. If you ever do something and you have that there's something that's like, mm, that's, you know, I don't everything looks right on the surface, but eh, I don't really have a, a piece about something. You better stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe just maybe God is trying to tell me something. And so. We don't want to make the mistake of the prodigal who came to his father and had determined, I'm already, I already know, I'm going to take my mom, I'm going to go party. 
But here's the interesting thing. You would think that the father would have tried to stop him and say, uh, son, what are you doing? Let's sit down and talk about this. But the father basically says, okay. Okay. Remember, this story talks, Jesus gave this story in order to give us some insight about God, our Father. And one of the things about God is God is not a hostage taker. God is not a hostage taker. God doesn't try to control people. God is not into controlling people. What God is into, God, listen, God says, I've already given you my word. This is the control point. This is how he controls us, through his word. He's given us his word. And he's already told us what he wants us to do. And, and, and sometimes we get tempted to do things that, that and I heard one time and I, and I could not believe I was listening. That's why I don't look at a lot of preaching on TV. I'm just I can't, my, I, I, you know, I used to watch a lot. But boy, I got to a point. I just this one preacher got on TV. I ain't going to say his name and said God told him to divorce this woman because she was just working him, working his nerve, and they weren't in a good match. And, and so God said, divorce that one, and, and I'm going to marry this woman over here in the church. Now, how do you square that up with the word? Or how do you square that up with a covenant that you made before God that said, for better or for worse? I'm willing to bet you that there was something in him that said, I ain't supposed to do this. But he was so determined, but I love her. It feels right. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But Lord, you don't understand. God, I can, I can change him. I can change her. I know they don't love you now, but, but you know the, 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 believing, the, the, the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the believing spouse. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I'm going to do this. Well, you know the scripture said don't do it. I mean, no trouble is on the horizon. Because that person has decided to say, watch this, I'm going to do this even though I sense and I know that God's word is telling me, don't do this, don't do it. And there'll be time, there'll be things that are coming in your life and, and there'll be opportunity that will come before you and everything. Oh, yeah, jump, 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 jump. And, and you know what? And sometimes, you know, we really don't want God to really get involved in our decision making. You know, we don't want to talk to God. We, we just want to do so. Then we spend very little time praying about it because I don't want God to tell me no. I've done that over some purchases over my life. Can I be real and tell you some of my sin habits? There have been times I wanted to purchase stuff, and I knew in my heart that based on good economic family, being a good steward. You know, the Bible talks a whole lot about money and stewardship. A whole lot of scripture. And, but, Lord, we, we need this. And I remember there was a house that was right around the corner. You know, what I, my, I always say my dream house. I went behind this house. And, and, and the guy who owned it literally built a garden in the backyard. And it had a little stream. And, and, and there was like tears at the levels of flowers. And, there was, and I walked by there. I said, oh, my God. And I said, uh, and I started thinking, I wasn't even thinking about buying a house. Didn't cross my mind. But when I saw this, surely the Lord must be speaking to me. <laughs> and, and I begin to think, and I said, uh, and, and I'm back there, and I begin to visualize. I had visions of, 
of people coming and fellowshipping in the house. And, and, and all my brothers and sisters sitting here and just praying together, loving on the Lord together. We're breaking bread together. And I went and I said, Lord, Lord, this got to be you. You wouldn't have shown this to me, God, if it were not. You didn't mean for me to have it. Now, I knew I could not afford that house. And thankfully, I mean, we went so far and the whole a whole time I'm going through, because we went and got a real estate agent, did we not? Had to come to my house. And then reality kicked in because I was in this dream. I was floating. And, you know, I didn't, and I can tell you, I prayed, but I didn't really pray because I didn't really ask God, God, do you want me to have? Because I really felt like that God was already told me no. But so I didn't really want to pray and talk to God about God. Can I? Can I? I, I just wanted God to bless it. I wanted to pray and I wanted God to say, son, go ahead and have it. Because after all, you deserve it. A pastor should have a quiet place, a place where there's streams and water and, and so he can be in comfort. And, you know, and I rationalize, you know, when we really want to do something and we want to tag God with it. We can rationalize it and make it sound real good. Because one of the things you hear all the time where people say, God told me. Now, God does speak. But God ain't going to ever speak and tell you to do something that you can look in clear in the scripture and see is wrong. And how I many know if you can't afford something, God probably told you. No. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, OK. Real estate agent said, well, you're going to have to do ABC to your house in order to put it on the market. And then all of a sudden the dollar bills will start running up, running up, running up. And and I realized God. It's like it's like I just I was in this daze and God smacked me and said, you can't do this. And even to this day, I still ride by that house and I look and I just kind of imagine, you know, I can imagine stuff, you know, because you never know what God to do. But the point is, I can remember going through that and I didn't want God to I didn't want to really talk to God about this because I had already made up my mind that this is what I wanted. The prodigal son, he says, I want my money. And he didn't need from his father a plan. God, I don't need you to reveal to me a plan. And, and sometimes, you know, if we're really honest, we do that with God, but we're just not so maybe abrupt, but we do it in little subtle ways. So he comes and he says, Father, give me, give me what belongs to me. And then, you know, when those plans tank, the first person we blame is who? God. God, how could you? Have let that happen. You could have stopped this, God. You know, I even asked you. I asked you, I said, God, if it wasn't of you, you know, that's like our favorite prayer. God, if this is not of you, close the door. <laughs> close the door, God, if it's not of you. And, and God said, well, 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 you know, when you came to me, you didn't really ask me that. You were just kind of saying, like, you, you kind of felt like this is already a done deal. And, 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 you know, and I did make you my image. You can choose. How many know God ordained that we all make choices? We all are going to be accountable for the choices we make. God never supersedes our will. He just tells us he guides us along with God. He, the Bible says the Holy Spirit leads and he guides. He ain't going to grab you by your throat and say, come this way. The Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. The Holy Spirit is always leading you. He's saying to you, hey, 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 this is the way. Come this way. 
this way. Come, 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 come. And you and I have the choice on whether or not we want to follow through with it and obey him. It's our choice. So the father gave him what he demanded. The father didn't fight him. The father didn't try to stop him. But he let him go because, and sometimes God will let us go because God knew at some point we're going to come back. Sometimes the reason why God doesn't stop things because sometimes we have to go through some stuff. And then we come to a place and God will let you go through it. He'll let you go through it because a lot of times you have to learn some things about yourself. You know, the more I live my life with God, and I've been a slave now for over 20 years, the longer I live, you know what I learned? I don't know as much as I thought I did. When I think I was up here, I realized there's still a whole lot of stuff I got to learn. And God sometimes will allow you to go through things. And the reason why he don't stop it, because he, he says, you got to learn this. You remember the children of Israel were roaming around in the wilderness for all those 40 years? I mean, that was a much quicker route to get to the land. of God said, no, there are some things. That y'all, first of all, there was a lot of disobedience. He had to deal with that. But, but, but he says, there were some things that you all got to learn through this whole process. And so, I mean, you know that. This son, the Bible says in verse 13, he was very, very impulsive. Look at verse 13. And not many days after. In other words, as soon as that boy got the money, look at here. The younger son gathered all together. I mean, he got his up, Daddy, I'm leaving. I mean, you talking about rebellion. I mean, he had it. Daddy, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. He journeyed to a far country. You know what far means? He said he went to another country, but you know why he went to a far country? Because he wanted to get away from every rational voice that he could get away from because he was ready to aparte and he didn't want no spiritual person trying to tell him to stop. And so he says, I'm getting out of here. He didn't want to go to Maryland and D.C. He said, no, brother, I'm going to Rome. I'm getting out of doubt. I'm going to a place where nobody knows me and what I'm about to do. You see, as if to say that somehow God don't know what you're doing. You know, I mean, you know, the Bible says that God, he feels the whole entire earth. You know, he created it. So we, we can't run from him. You can you can get mad. You can say, well, I'm going to, and nobody sees what I'm doing. God sees in that hotel room. God sees on that beach. God sees everything that we do, and there's nothing that is hidden from him. Nothing. And so, and so this young man decides, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run. And he was so impulsive because he goes out there and he wastes everything he got. Now, I believe this, that one of the things that we all as Christians got to be wiser about is that the scripture says that he wasted everything that he had. We got to be wise that we don't waste the resources and the time that God gave us. The Bible says that we are to redeem the time. It also says in Colossians that we are to make the most of every opportunity that God gives us. So how many know that there are sometimes, maybe in 2010, you know, maybe there are some things that you were doing that weren't necessarily sinful or, or sin in of itself, but perhaps it's just sucking up too much of your time. Perhaps we're spending money on things. And I can remember spending a whole lot of money on golf, and I couldn't afford to do it. And it's funny, because I remember just being on that golf 
just being in that driving range. And God spoke to me one day and said, keep on swinging, buddy, because the time is coming. You ain't going to be swinging much longer anymore. And I was going to that driving range every day because I was, I was like, I'm going to get that ball down the middle, and I'm going to shoot me an 80 if it kills me. And, you know, I was telling my wife the other day, honey, I don't think I golfed maybe once or twice last year. Didn't do, you know. And, and, and the reason was, was God wasn't saying that he wanted to, the golf is wrong. But what I'm calling you to do, you're not going to have much time for that. And I think that we can, we want to be wiser going into 2011 to make sure that we're not wasting our time. We're not wasting our money on things that's kind of sucking us and pulling us away. You know, the devil is already throwing things in your pathway to try to distract you. Like, I got a problem. Y'all need to pray for me with gadgets. I, I want every new gadget to come out. I want the i4, the iPad, the, the Galaxy. I, I mean, I get all these little things. I love, and, and, and I can't even walk inside of an Apple store. I will not, and I've done good because I go there. I'm a, my wife will be talking. What do you What you do now? Because I got a problem. Because I see all this stuff. I'm like, wow, it's like this. If this ain't heaven, it got to be close. <laughs> got to be because there ain't no way the man's supposed to be able to walk in here and not buy stuff. And I, I'm, I got this gadget problem. And you know what happened with gadgets? I get the fooling with stuff, and I'm at 12, 1 o'clock, I'm trying to figure stuff out, how to, get, how to figure this phone, how to figure that out. And I'm downloading this, and I'm downloading that, and I'm trying to work this out. Uh, baby, look how this works. And I'm like, I'm going to bed. Man, you're crazy. <laughs> how many times you said that to me? Man, you're crazy. I'm going to bed. And, and you know what I find? That, that a lot of times I, I'm wasting a lot of my time. So, you know, then, you know, you lack sleep. You're not as focused as you should be because you're just involved and you're wasting your resources on stuff that's really trying to pull you away from God. And it'll be, it'll be look, now for you, it may not be gadgets. It could be a little bit too much TV, a little bit too much ESPN. <laughs> Gosh, I'm telling you all my problems. So y'all need to know, y'all need to. Y'all need to pray for me. I'm doing better. I'm, I'm working on it. I ain't, I'm, I'm doing better. See, Christians can't do much. Anymore. What else can we watch on TV? Hallelujah. But anyway, um, so, so we need to be wise about that. So this young man, he, he, he squandered all of his living. He squandered his stuff. And we need to be wiser that we don't do that. But then watch this. Now watch this. Now, when the son has sinned against God, against his father, we'll say his father, and we want to use it in context. We're talking about our relationship with God. The son did not immediately contact his father when things went bad. You know that? Look, look at verse number 14 and 15. It says, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want or lack. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. But then the story goes on to say that he started eating pig's food. But, but when he first, when things got really bad and he lost everything, you know, he didn't, the first thing he did, he didn't go and say, let me go talk to my father. You know why? Because in his heart, he knew and he felt like I've messed it up pretty bad. I mean, I went after all and I demanded this from my daddy. I demanded this. And now I'm going to look like a fool going back to him. So, you know, I'm going to hook up with somebody else. I'm going to try to get somebody else to help pull me out of this. And what happens when Adam and Eve had sinned against God in the Garden of Eden? What happened? They, 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 the first thing they did was what? They sued themselves fig leaves and they tried to. God said, who told you you were naked? And, and, and at that moment, there was something that had happened where there was a breach. 
And sin and shame, it, it make us want to run from God when Adam should have said, wait a minute, we've blown it. We need to go talk to God about this. When you blow it miserably, when you fail, when you make a decision and you know that it wasn't right, don't listen. Don't listen to the enemy who will tell you, God, I don't want to listen. God, I don't want to talk to you no more. You know, you need to just run. And, you know, and then what, what happened is when we blow it, it's like, uh, well, I'm not going to pray today because I really lost my temper last night and I really said some things to my spouse. I really don't want to talk. That's the time you need to run to God. When you find that, that, that get into a habit, make it so in 2011 that, that when, whatever I do, if I screw up and I pray that you make very, very minimal mistakes in 2011, we're going to believe God. We're going to have a successful year. We're going to have a year of robust victory that we're going to be blessed. We're not going to be struggling. We're going to be we're going to be blessed. But if you happen to find yourself at a place where you stumble, then don't run from God. Take that opportunity. Lord, I need to talk to you because because, you know, what the son was thinking. I believe what some of us think that somehow God is mad at us. How many of you have ever felt like God is mad at me? Honestly, you know, God is mad at me for something I did. Understand something. God ain't really mad at you more than he's mad about how that sin is going to affect your life. God is on your side. The Bible says that God before us, who can be against us? When God saved you, he already knew. He did not get a revelation about who you were when you came into the kingdom. He got the revelation before the world began, and yet he still decided to choose you. He still decided to bring you into his kingdom. And so he knows every one of our weaknesses. He knows every one of our failures. And so what we need to do is when we do fail, we need to say, Lord, Lord, I'm coming to you. Like, like the prodigal son, he eventually did it. Now the scripture says that he came to himself. But you know what it took for him to go all the way to the bottom? And for some people, you know, some, and, and listen to me. I mean, hear my heart when I say this. For some folks, maybe you got somebody you've been praying for. You've been believing God to save them. And boy, they just think they got it all going on. And they think they don't need God. They, you know, and you've been praying for them. You've been saying, Lord, please save them. And they think, I don't, I don't really need God. You know, you just, sometimes you just got to let, get your hands off and say, okay, God, do what you got to do. And sometimes God will let a person go real, real low because the only way they're going to come to faith in Christ is they got to go really, really low. And sometimes what do we want to do? We want to jump in there sometimes and we want to try to stop. Oh, Lord, Lord, no, no. no. But, but what we need to do is just kind of step back and say, Lord, do what you got to do to bring this person to the place they need to be. And God will humble us sometimes. And this young prodigal, he got to a point, and I'm almost done. Stay with me. He got to a point that, that he says, wait a minute. It's like the light bulb came on because now he's desperate. He realized I'm eating pig food. Now, I've seen and been in places where I've seen crack addicts and what that stuff can do to people and the conditions and the environments that they live in. I've seen people do some horrible stuff because of that drug. I mean, some stuff is like, whoa, wow. And you wonder, like, do you, like, realize what you're living in? And they're so deep into it, they don't know. But every now and then, God shows his mercy. And, 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 and they come to themselves and they look around. They look, one day they wake up and it's like, what in the world? How, how did I get, I get here? And so he mustered up the courage. He says, he says, okay, my daddy, 
He got money. And now I just got to figure out how I'm going to get back home. How am I going to get back? Okay, let me think, let me think, let me think. Okay, I'm going to tell him that, you know, just make me like a hired servant. Don't even treat me like a son because I'm not really worthy to be called a son. Don't even treat me like a son. I'm going to tell my daddy, 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 I'm sorry. I've blown it. I've blown it. And I'm just, and he's all the way home. He's thinking, okay, he's rehearsing in his mind. What is he going to say to his daddy? Because he's thinking that his daddy may not even accept him back. And the scripture says that as he went home, that his father, when his father saw him, he saw him a long way off. Which means, watch this, the father had been waiting for him. The father had been sitting there waiting and thinking when is my boy going to come back home? You know, God's spirit is always waiting for us. And he's always saying, when are you going to come back? God is always ready for us to come back and get it right. And so he says to he says to his servants, he says, here's what we're going to do. He said, kill the fatty calf. That means that we're going to throw down. We're going to have a party. See, Christians do party. I know sometimes people tell you that Christians don't. Christians do party. And so he says, now, we're going to kill the fatted calf. And he says, bring a robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his fingers. You know, a robe was symbolic of honor. A ring was symbolic of authority. In other words, this father was clearly communicating something. He says, I want y'all to treat my boy like he never sinned. Hook them up and treat them right. I kill the fatty cow. They, act, they treated that prodigal as if he had just graduated from college, like he just graduated from Notre Dame or Harvard or something. And, and we know that it was, a, it was an excited, exciting party because you know who got mad? His brother. I mean, there's sometimes people in your own family ain't going to treat you right. They don't want to see God pour out his mercy on you. You know, sometimes, you know, and I've gotten to a point, you know, yeah, we all wonder sometimes how such and so, brother so-and-so, they was doing this and they were doing that. Boy, they seem like they're a little bit more blessed than me. And I've been just serving the Lord. I've been giving. I've been doing it. And look at them. And I've been doing it. And, you know, and, and we just forget that, 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 that God already got us. But for some people, God allowed, they, they just need a little bit more. They need that. And God knows where we all are. And so this young boy, instead of rejoicing and saying, because what the father was really saying to this young boy and what I think God is saying to us, the father was saying, son, you got everything. You don't really know who I am. You don't really understand the kind of person I am. Do we understand how God is? That God is saying to us, whatever you do, I want you to come, come, no matter how low you got. And God is saying, I'll, I'll restore the years that the canker worm has stolen. I'll restore to you your rightful place. And it is not because you deserve it. And I guarantee you didn't have to tell that prodigal. You didn't have to ask him whether or not he thought he deserved it. He would tell you, no way I deserve this. And so the older brother gets mad. He's angry. Says, I'm, I had it. He said that he even called him that son of yours. Couldn't even call him his brother. Because in reality, he didn't know the heart of God. And so, how many know that he's the God of the fresh start? Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. When God says he gives you a fresh start, God really does give you a fresh start. Not a manufactured one. Not, not you were thought 
that, that the father here would have put the boy on probation or something. He said, son, in order for you to get back here, we're going to have to put you on probation. I'm going to have to demote you for a little bit. No, I said, no, no. He said, son, I'm glad you're back. Here, put the robe on. Go out there and rejoice. Stand out in the place and show forth my glory. He's a God of the fresh start. He's strong. He's mighty. And you know what? Every one of us ought to be glad because that's the God. That's our father. That's our daddy. And you think that there are people out there who don't need to hear that? People who are down and out, who, who are so low, they feel like nobody loves them, nobody care about them, and nobody have, I mean, and, 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 I mean think about this, this man, and I don't know, because I heard him the other day, this guy, what's his name? Anybody on the YouTube, what's his name? His name was uh, Ted Williams. You go back and Google his name on YouTube, you'll see the big sensation about this guy. This week, Monday, he was on the street homeless. Today, he's cleaned up and he keeps talking about, I just prayed, I just prayed to God and God just had mercy on me. And I just can't believe it. And all I kept hearing him say was God had mercy on me. God had mercy on me. God had mercy. And, you know, there's still somebody upset about it. And I bet there are some Christians that are upset about it. And I'm thinking, well, God, that's good because if you show mercy on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You show mercy on me. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.